Kainu, our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey the word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. Amen. So I want to start with a quick little intro that we sent out yesterday, but we understand not everyone got, so just um, listen up. Shalom, Mishpacha. Rabbi Michael and I are so excited about a new series we will be starting this Shabbat, Fast, 40 Days to Breakthrough. And we are encouraging a congregation-wide 40-day fast. You say, 40 days? Rabbi Carol, how can I fast for 40 days? Well, on Saturday, Rabbi Michael will be sharing in his message exactly how every single person at Beth Emanuel will be able to participate in this congregation-wide fast in some capacity. And we are excited because we believe that Adonai has ordained this fast for such a time as this. But first, we wanted to take time today to encourage you on five reasons to fast. As we are preparing and getting ready for this message series, we want you to understand that there are important reasons why fasting should be a part of every believer's life. The first reason is to imitate Yeshua. We know that in every area of our life, we want to be as Messiah was. We want to imitate him in every facet. In Matthew chapter four, we are told how the Ruach, the spirit, led Yeshua into the wilderness. And there he fasted for 40 days and nights. After that season of fasting, the enemy came to him to tempt him, but Yeshua was able to overcome the evil one because of the strength that he had received through those days of fasting. So in the same way, fasting with prayer will strengthen us, enable us to walk in greater victory and lead to that breakthrough that we each desire in our lives. The second reason for fasting is that it sensitizes your spirit. We all know that there is a battle between the flesh and the spirit. Yeshua puts it this way, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Rav Shaul encourages us that we need to run our lives by the spirit so that we will not do what our old nature wants. But it is very hard sometimes to do that. But when we are in that time of fasting, it makes us more sensitive to what the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, is speaking in our lives personally and in the congregation, and it enables us to walk more in step with Him. It creates this hunger and desire for more of God. Yeshua says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. 
So fasting creates this spiritual sensitivity that allows us to to pull more into the presence of God and to experience Him. The third reason is to prioritize prayer. Once again, we all know the power of prayer, and yet it is so easy to go throughout our day and our week and not actually participate in prayer. In fact, we know that the least attended meeting at any congregation is the prayer meeting, yet this should be the meeting that is filled to capacity because there is such great power in prayer. Yeshua tells his Talmudim in Mark 9, this kind of spirit can be driven out only by prayer and fasting. So fasting is not something we just do because we want to lose weight, and Rabbi Michael is going to talk again about that in his message this weekend, but fasting is something we couple with prayer, and the two of those things together, prayer and fasting, is a dynamite combination that really can impact our lives in such a powerful way. The fourth reason for doing a congregational-wide fast is it creates community. From Bereshit to Revelation, you have heard Rabbi Michael and I say this so many times, it is all about community. We were never created to be islands unto ourselves. Everything that is given to us in the Bible was given in the context of a community setting. When we read in Ezra, we hear what Ezra did. He said, I proclaim the fast. This was a congregation-wide fast so that we could humble ourselves before our God and ask a safe journey of him for ourselves, our little ones, and our possessions. We then read that they actually fasted and said, we asked God for this and he answered our prayer and the hand of our God was on us. We believe that this is a time to come together as a community to see powerful things happen in our lives and that as a community, it will draw us closer together as we make this commitment to 40 days of prayer and fasting. Again, everyone can participate on some level and we want to encourage you to prepare your heart for what God is leading us into as a congregation. The last reason for fasting is for breakthrough. Who does not need a breakthrough in their life? We have personal family issues that we are facing. Many have health problems, financial situations. We have our loved ones that we desire to see come to faith. We have a whole Jewish community that we are reaching with the truth of who Yeshua the Messiah is. And fasting leads to a breakthrough. Think about the story of Jehoshaphat in the book of Second uh, Chronicles. And it says here that he resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. And they came together to seek help from the Lord. They came from every town in Judah to seek him, Adonai. Once again, a congregational wide fast. And Jehoshaphat cried out, our God, we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And that's what we want to do, put our eyes on Adonai, knowing that he is the God of the breakthrough. And the end of the story for Jehoshaphat is that God brought a mighty deliverance and brought freedom and victory for them against the armies of Ammon. And in the same way, Adonai wants to bring breakthrough in your life, in my life, in your family, my life, and family, and in our congregation, our community. So we are so excited for this 40-day fast 
And we want to encourage you to come on Shabbat ready to receive from the Lord and to enter into this season of God moving in our lives in a powerful way as we follow his commandment and his uh, encouragement to spend this time as a congregation in prayer and fasting. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Shalom, Mishpacha. Rabbi Michael and I are so excited about We are, yes. Hashem. <laughs> um, so there, you're up to date. <laughs> and I just want to park on that last point for a second because I know many of you need a breakthrough, either in your personal life, in your family, for a loved one, for your health, finances, whatever. And listen, we're not making this up. This is a tried and true spiritual discipline, okay, that has worked for thousands of years and millions of people practice fasting. So there is something to it, and I want your heart to be open to see what God would speak to you through the Ruach of how you could participate in this congregation-wide fast, both for yourself and your family and loved ones, but also, you know, to tie this to what um, um, Dr. Gammon spoke last week, we are desirous to see our Jewish people saved and freed. And guess what? The enemy of our souls does not want that to happen. So guess what? Fasting is a way to break through. Okay? And so if we come together as a community and fast, who knows what God will do. Amen? So today we're starting our new series. It's called Fast, 40 Days to Breakthrough. For 40 days leading up to Pesach, as one community, we are going to go through a congregational-wide fast together. So if you don't know what that is, now, most of us, if not all of us, know what fasting is, but let me tell you what it is, because I think even sometimes as Jewish folk, and we could say, oh, we, we fast, yes, oh, we fast on Yom Kippur, right? But fasting is a spiritual discipline it is abstaining from physical food, hear this, for a spiritual purpose. It's not just to abstain from food so we can get to the break fast, <laughs> right? We'll move on in our lives, but it's fasting physical food for a spiritual purpose as a way to open our heart and draw closer to Messiah. This is a seven-week series, and there are two ways to make the most out of this 40-day fast. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward and to grab yeah, th just those books for now and pass out a fast guide. Now listen to me. This fast guide, I want you to hold on to it. Can I tell you that that, that guide that you're going to get has taken us hours and hours and hours <laughs> to put that together. And there's nothing more frustrating than when we leave the sanctuary today and we find those books just left on the seat. Because what that conveys to us, although I know not meaningfully, but it conveys to us that you are disinterested. And all I could say is, we are asking you to give this a shot. Listen, we don't make up the principle of fasting. God did. And so we know it is a tried and true method and your participation, right, is vital to your own personal breakthrough, but also to what God desires to do in our Jewish community. Amen? <laughs> so they're being passed out.
And starting today, I want you to bring this to service every Saturday. That means you have to keep it handy, okay? To bring it to service every Saturday as we go through the series. So if you have it, you could open up to the table of contents and see the next seven weeks of content, starting with fast food. If you flip the page, you'll see a tasty-looking hamburger there with a note from us. Okay, no, we're not cruel. You know, boy, look at that. They tell me to fast and they're posting the hamburger. <laughs> um, but you'll get it as we go on. So there's also a blank sheet to take sermon notes for each message. So take out a pen and get ready to jot down a few things as we dig into God's word. Amen? We want to learn from the scriptures. So first, get a guide. You have one. And second, let's commit to encouraging one another during the week to reach out to each other, to pray together, to come on Thursday nights for prayer or Saturday morning for prayer. Be accountable to one another as to make the most of this significant time. Friends, I can tell you that this is not something that happens every day. But God's leading us to do it. And God doesn't lead us to do things for no reason. So be expectant and get ready to participate. So fast food. Let's open our fast guide to page two for this Saturday's sermon entitled Fast Food. Now, any fast food fans here? I know you're afraid to raise your hand. I know it. Come on. Come on. Any fast food friends, fans here? Yeah, come on. I saw you at Chick-fil-A, so I know, <laughs> so I know, you know, so don't tell me you weren't there. <laughs> um, the truth is, any fast food, or, or should I say this, are there any frequent flyer uh, people who uh, go to Wendy's or McDonald's, right? Sometimes we do it for the kids got to take those kids to McDonald's and maybe pick up a little something, something on the side for us. <laughs> um, listen, and we know that, um, if we're honest, that although they might taste great, fast food isn't the best for us, right? We all know that. But that's just an aside, because we're not doing it for physical reasons anyway. But it's just true. Fast food is not the best. Yeshua said, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. And I'm not sure that he had an egg and cheese McMuffin in mind when he said that. You know, his yoke and his... I don't think so. I think he had in mind something greater for God's people. He wanted to lighten. And that's what a fast does. It lightens the burden as we connect to the Messiah. As God frees us from the shackles of the world, of sin of Hasatan, who is, listen, ever trying to ensnare God's people. And so the burden that we take upon us then becomes Messiah, and it is light and freeing. Amen? So in putting this uh, together, some fun was had juxtaposing Bible verses with some common vices. So like coffee, is anyone guilty of having the coffee vice? <laughs> right? Well, 
Philippians 4 says, you give me strength for battle. Now, you know Rob Shaul wrote that while sipping a Starbucks coffee, right? No, he didn't. Cutting out carbs and coffee is hard to do in the wintertime because there's something about cold that makes us want to curl up and hibernate, right? And, and sip and get those, you know, stack on a little couple extra pounds and stuff like that. And so we become and use food for the wrong reasons. But in 40 days, it's going to be Pesach. Winter is going to be behind us. So that means it's time for spring cleaning because Pesach is coming. But it's a spring cleaning that is going to bring freedom, say freedom, into our lives. That's what Pesach is about, right? It's a season of freedom. And we want to start Passover set free from those things, those chains, those bondages, to see miracles happen in our lives, in our family members. I know some of you have sick folk in your family. Well, guess what? You can make this for that purpose, to see a breakthrough on behalf of their health. You could, okay, assign this for someone's salvation that you're believing for. And so this becomes a significant time as we expect God to do great things. So we could put away the unhealthy habits of winter and eat clean with fruits and vegetables and water. Yum, right? That's what a Daniel fast is, and we'll see that today. Eating in a way that honors God with our bodies. And fasting is, I don't know, pretty countercultural, to say the least. Right? If you tell someone you're fasting, eh, they don't understand why you would miss a meal or skip to, you know, a meal to go and pray. What? You know, they don't get it. But guess what? It's not countercultural in God's economy. So let's consider why we fast. Think about it. Most of the world eats for one reason, survival. Globally, the majority of people eat when they are hungry. But as Americans, we eat when we feel tired. We caffeinate ourselves to get through the day. Do you know what the fasting, uh, or should I say, do you know what the fastest growing congregation in America is? Yeah, Kehila Starbucks. And they have loyal congregants who will not miss a beat. They'll shell out that eight bucks gladly, okay, to get that fix in their lives. As a matter of fact, they have a temple on every corner, right? <laughs> Every shopping center has a Starbucks waiting for you, and they make it nice. Come on in, open up your laptop, spend a couple of hours sipping and eating our delicacies. Okay, we do that as Americans. As Americans, we eat when we feel stressed. Any emotional eaters here? Yeah. <laughs> you feel overwhelmed or anxious, nothing like a Cinnabon or a chocolate chip muffin to take the edge off. My comfort and my deliverer, right? Our Cinnabons and our chocolate chip muffins. Well, how about that double, you know, or, or I should say, right, that David, right, did he write those words at Panera? <laughs> or Dunkin' Donuts, right? No. David wrote that likely fasting and seeking God. As Americans, we eat when we feel tempted. Maybe your weakness is a double cheese pizza with turkey pepperoni. 
We love that, by the way. We do make our own pizza with turkey pepperoni. Really good, I gotta say. Or maybe a nice corned beef and tongue on rye with a little mustard. Well, God said that was good, no doubt. So in America, we also eat when we're bored. Have you ever opened the fridge at midnight or in the evening and said, I'm not even hungry? And yet you're perusing in the fridge to see what's there. Could just stick something in your mouth. Um, or if you're at work, you just stroll down to the vending machine to pick a Milky Way or something like that. And you're not even really hungry, but you just do it, perhaps because you're bored or out of habit. Sometimes as Americans, we eat when we're sad, and nothing helps ease the pain of sadness like a nice pint of Ben and Jerry's. Now, I don't particularly like Chunky Monkey, but I do like red, red, red velvet cake <laughs> a lot. The point is, as Americans, we eat for all sorts of reasons that have little to do with hunger or thirst. But this is not a series to induce guilt, and we don't want that to, to happen. Uh, it's not about what we eat and feel, to feel guilty for it. In fact, did you know that the Bible says food can be used for a spiritual purpose? Or we could use food or the lack of food for a spiritual purpose besides physical survival. The Bible says that there is a connection between our stomach, our soul, and our spirit. So, and from the very beginning, fasting has been a powerful tool for drawing closer to God. Like I said, millions of people in the world fast. Yet that is really not a regular practice in Western society. So, what is fasting? If you're taking notes, simply state that fasting is refraining from physical food for a spiritual purpose. Physical food for a spiritual purpose. We intentionally say no to our appetite, our flesh, and say yes in our spirit to the things of God. And anytime you sacrifice for God, his ears perk up. So fasting is saying, God, I am more hungry for a fresh touch of the Ruach HaKodesh in my life for your wisdom for your power, for your holiness, for your blessing, and for your breakthrough. I'm more hungry for that, oh God, than I am for natural food, for that hamburger or that slice of pizza. And God, I'm going to sacrifice something I enjoy to seek your face. And God honors that every time. So... Have you ever experienced that kind of hunger for God? I would imagine you have. Have you ever felt like your prayer life was flat? Or wondered, is there anything more to life as a believer than what I am currently experiencing? Is this life to the full? Have you ever thought that? Is this the believing life to the full that I'm experiencing? Well, perhaps you lack passion and yearn to experience God more powerfully. Well, Yeshua said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Filled with what? Well, filled with the Spirit of God himself. The Bible says, 
Our body is a temple of the Ruach HaKodesh. It's where the spirit of the living God dwells. And fasting gives up certain food and drink in order to cleanse our body and create room or a sensitivity for the spirit of God to get a hold of us where he, listen to me, where he can't when our senses, our spiritual senses are dulled. You know, when our spiritual senses are heightened, it's so easy for God to speak to us. I often told this, we've often told this story, but it was in a time of seeking God earnestly that when Rabbi Carroll was suffering with these very bad gastro issues, stomach issues, that the Spirit of God spoke to myself and my wife independently about a specific vitamin to take, that once she took it, immediately solved her issue. Never to be had again. Why? Because that's what happens when you are sensitive to the Ruach HaKodesh. And that's what fasting does. So, just like prayer, fasting is a spiritual discipline that can bring you into a deeper, more intimate, and powerful relationship with the Lord. Jensen Franklin, who many of you might know, who wrote a New York Times best-selling book entitled Fasting, writes this, Fasting has always been a normal part of a relationship with God. When you eliminate food from your diet for a number of days, your spirit becomes uncluttered by the things of this world and amazingly sensitive to the things of God. That's just a truism. So, now some of you might be like, what's he talking about, <laughs> you know? I'm not giving up my Starbucks. I can't be a believer if I can't have my coffee. You know, maybe I get grouchy or whatever. Well, if you're resisting the idea of fasting, I am not surprised. There's a lot of confusion out there, so let's clarify it a little bit. What fasting is not? Okay, you can write this in your notes. Fasting is not dieting. Okay, it's not about weight loss or fitting into your skinny jeans or getting ready for that event, it's not that. No, we're doing this to help get the congregation um, sensitized to the Spirit of God, you hear that? For you to get a breakthrough in your life, for powerful things to happen on a spiritual level. We're not doing it to get you into physical shape, right, or to send a message, no. Fasting has a super positive impact on your health, that's a fact. Okay, but that's not why we're doing it. Fasting, though, is not dieting, and it's not just for the super spiritual, right? That's what a lot of people think. Praying and fasting, isn't that something that, like, monks do up in a cave, like, you know, off by themselves, they deprive themselves of food? No, that's, uh, that's a misconception. Fasting is for ordinary people, Everyday Messiah followers like you and me, remember Yeshua himself fasted for 40 days and expected that his Talmudim would also fast. He expected them to fast. So in Yeshua, in his mind, fasting was not optional for believers. He assumed we would do it, right? So 
In Matthew Yahoo 6, Yeshua preached the sermon, right? Sermon on the Mount, Beatitudes, whatever you want to call it, that described how his Talmudim were supposed to live as children in God. Now, in verse 2, he said, when you give. In verse 5, he said, when you pray. And in verse 16, he said, when you fast. So notice it says when, right? It doesn't say if you pray, if you give, if you fast. It says when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. So Yeshua expected his Talmudim were giving generously, praying passionately, and fasting regularly. Well, when you give, pray, and fast, great things happen. Let's say that together. Say give, pray, fast. Now, I wanted to let you know that everyone in this room could fast. And I'm going to break it down in such a simple way that it doesn't matter who you are, on some level you will be able to fast. And let me say this. It doesn't matter how small the sacrifice. When you sacrifice for God, God is so jazzed by that that he will move in your life. So I know that God is preparing to do something wonderful in your life. So most people agree with prayer, right? We assume believers pray regularly and talk to God on a regular basis. Most believers give generously, and we give part of our income back to God as a way to worship him and train our hearts, right? Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. But when you fast... And I know you think, wait, I thought that was optional. No, 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 not really. Yeshua made it very clear to his first century followers that fasting like praying or tithing was just a normal, say normal, normal part of everyday life. Matter of fact, in the first century, they, the scholars tell us that they likely fasted two days a week every week. The religious Jewish community. Two days a week, every week. So I'm not asking that from you, <laughs> per se. But I'm asking you to participate on some level. And, and listen, at the end of the day, we want God to speak to your heart, yes? So, in other words, like tithing and praying, fasting is a spiritual discipline and one of the ways we grow closer to God and deepen our relationship with him. So now, don't mishear me, okay? Um, we don't do these things to earn God's favor or to get him to somehow love us more. We're not doing it to manipulate him, to give us a blessing, anything like that. No, we already are loved and blessed by God through Yeshua the Messiah. He alone, right, is our blessing. He alone is the pearl of great price. We don't really need anything from God that he's already done for us, more than that. It's not what you do to earn God's favor. It's what Messiah did for you. That's the truth. But with that said, um, it's, we're encouraged. That's the key. Is Yeshua encouraged us to fast. And in order to draw closer to him, it's one of the three basic disciplines Yeshua says all believers, hear this, will benefit from. Do you need any benefits in your life? Do you need something more than what you have as far as your personal life, your family? 
I would say, I do. So that's why we fast. Let me ask, take this as a deep question. Is it possible that you're missing out on some of God's biggest breakthroughs because you ignore basic spiritual disciplines? Is that even in the range of possibility that perhaps you're missing out on some of God's greatest breakthroughs because you're ignoring some of the basic disciplines that he has, tools. I don't know about you, being a homeowner for the number of years I've had, I learned one thing. Tools are invaluable. You ever try to do a job with the wrong tool? You know, it's like when you take the butter knife and you try to get the plate off, the, the, you know, the uh, outlet with the butter knife and you bend in the knife and it doesn't work. It takes a half hour to do with a butter knife and it takes exactly one minute to do with a real screwdriver, <laughs> you know. So the point is the right tools. So Yeshua gave us tools, spiritual tools to use. And perhaps by ignoring some of those tools, we're not getting the breakthroughs that we desire to have. Well, perhaps for you, your prayer life lacks passion. Maybe you were once on fire for God, but you lost your first love, that first zeal for God. Come on, we could all relate to that. You know, remember when you first came to faith? Man, that Bible, you wore it out in a year. You went to every event, going, because that passion and zeal. And you know how do you keep that first love passion? Is by practicing spiritual disciplines. And so fasting is one of those powerful tools to help us to get it back. One of the, the ways Yeshua said is fasting. Empty your stomach so that God can replenish your spirit. Is that simple? Empty your stomach. Hey, know what I learned just recently? That even if you were a lean 12% body fat, lean, that's pretty lean for, for a guy, 12% body fat, 10 to 12, that you could live without food for two weeks. So imagine most of us. I got a good two years in me. Okay, forget it. I don't have to eat. I just unplug from eating, man. Forget it. I'll go watch that, that baby just, you know, get knocked down. But that's what doctors tell us this. So, you know, we buy into the American thing, oh, I gotta eat every hour on the hour, you know. We give kids, you know, that are healthy and strong, we give them a snack every two hours, we think they're gonna die of, you know, malnutrition or something. It's not true. And so God knows this, and that's why he calls us to occasionally miss a meal for our spiritual well-being, amen? So let's talk about the types of fasts. There are three types of fasts that you'll see in the Bible. If you're taking notes, the first is called an absolute fast. Esther 4 and Acts 9 show us this type of fast, and it's where you stop eating and drinking completely. Maybe you've done this prior to a surgery. Anyone? Yeah, you know when you go for that test? Boop, boop, boom, boom, boom. They say no eating, no drinking. Nothing except that nasty thing that you give, they give you. And um, 
In the Bible, an absolute fast is often used to seek God's favor during times of crisis. So we know this. We have Purim coming up, right? That's what the whole story is about. Esther, in the book of Esther, when our Jewish people were faced with annihilation, Esther calls our people to fast. No food, no water for three days. And then she goes to see the king, and what's the result? Wow, a miracle. God broke through and took care of a national crisis on behalf of our people because the community of faith said yes to prayer and fast. Just saying, sounds pretty good, right? Esther, Mordecai, and our people were saved. And not only was the Jewish community spared, but our enemy, Haman, was hanged on the very gallows that he built himself for Jewish people. God did a miracle. The second kind of fast is a supernatural fast. So we see this in Shemot, Exodus 34 with Moshe. And we see it in Matthew chapter 4 in the person of Yeshua. Um, it's called a supernatural fast because the length of time without food or water is medically impossible to survive the, without the intervention of the Ruach HaKodesh. So, for example, when Moshe received the Ten Commandments from God, he went without food, or, food for, or water, or water for 40 days and 40 nights. Friend, you can't do that unless the Spirit of God is on you. And I don't recommend it, by the way. Don't do that. You can't do that. That's impossible. Unless God supernaturally takes care of you. And the same is true for Yeshua in the 40 days in the wilderness. No food, no water. But God supernaturally allowed him to do it. So that's a supernatural fast. And what was the result of those? Direct revelation from God. Moshe received the, the words of God directly from him. That's pretty powerful, right? So you could see the value in prayer and fasting. Um, so the third type of fast is a partial fast. Daniel chapter 1, Daniel chapter 2. And this is where only certain foods are restricted for a limited length of time. Um, the best old covenant example of this is the Daniel fast in chapter 1 and 10. And that's the fast that our entire congregation will be doing for the next 40 days. This is what we're recommending or some modified version of it. So Daniel's fast focused on eating fruits, vegetables, and drinking water. He did it for 10 days and then again for 21 days. And this is the fast I want to challenge you to consider for 40 days as a way of drawing closer to the Messiah, seeking God's breakthrough in your own life or for your family. And I want to give you three options to choose from, especially if you have medical issues or a situation that won't allow you to fast food. So the Daniel fast, and you'll see on page two, we printed out uh, Daniel chapter one, which explains how this fast originated. The background of Daniel one is war. And we read along, or read along with me starting at verse one. Here we go. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Yehuda. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babel, came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it. 
And Adonai handed Jehoiakim, king of Yehuda, over to him, along with some of the articles from the house of God. He took them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the articles in the storehouse of his God. It's a dark time for Israel. That's a bad thing. That's like maybe the thing that befell you, that you're saying, man, this is really bad. So Nebuchadnezzar conquers Jerusalem. He sacks the temple, and he hauls his treasure back to Babylon, which is, we know, modern-day Iraq. Verse 3, the king ordered Ashpenaz, the eunuch, serving as his chief officer to bring into the palace from the people of Israel some of, the, some of royal or noble descent. They were to be boys without physical defect, handsome in appearance, versed in all kinds of wisdom, quick to learn, discerning, and having the capacity to serve in the king's palace. And he was to teach them the language and literature of the Kasdim. So in other words, when Nebuchadnezzar conquered the Jewish people, he took the best and the brightest young men right, as hostages back to Babylon so he could brainwash them and reprogram them to serve his purposes. Isn't that nice? Well, Daniel and his friends, being Jewish, okay, they would resist instead of being reprogrammed and conformed to a new culture. So here's the question. How do you turn a Hebrew into a Babylonian? Well, the king had a three-step step strategy to do it. The first, he gave them new names. Right? We can see this in the text. Daniel became Belshazzar, his friends Meshach and Abednego. Secondly, learn a language. Move to a new country, learn the language. So, right, he was to teach them the language and the literature of the Kasdim. If you want someone to really conform to your culture, what do you do? You make them learn the language. Read your books, watch your movies. The third step is a sneaky one, and it's their daily diet. Verse 5. The king assigned them a daily portion of his own food and the wine that he drank, and they were to be cared for in this way for three years. At the end of this time, they were to become the king's attendants. So the final step of the brainwashing process of these young men was through their daily diet. The king tries to get them to conform to the culture by feeding them treif, <laughs> food and wine from the king's table. Well, have you ever eaten king's food? Now, Evan's going to help me out here. Have you ever eaten king's food? Let me show you what it looks like. At least this is the American version of king's food. You know, we as Americans, you know, we just love our food, don't you? Wait, don't you love food? Come on. We love food. And, ooh, little Mickey D's, double cheese right in there. And how about some of that? A little ice cream. What else you got here? Chips. That's good. Doritos. I like this one. <laughs> Yummy. What else? Oh, you got. Sorry, guys. Coffee is in there. Soda. Mickey 
you know, those nutritious cereals that we get, and all this stuff, more and more pizza and pops and burgers and fries and chips. Evan's going to take care of that for me. My goodness gracious, right? So many things that the king has on his list. Well, it's a feast fit for nobility, right? Nobility. The king's table was full of rich, decadent food. One version actually, actually uses the word pleasant food or party food. So the choicest meats, the richest sweets, and the sweetest wines available were lavished upon these kids. For what purpose? To get them addicted and dependent on the king. Well, sneaky, right? Because once you eat that type of food and get accustomed to that decadence, you become spoiled and you're hooked. And suddenly, um, you are totally connected and tied in and drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak, of what the king's serving. But what did Daniel do? Let's look at verse 8. But Daniel reserved or resolved. Say resolved. This is the word I want you to get in you. But Daniel resolved. Say resolved. That he would not defile himself with the king's food or the wine he drank. So he asked the chief officer to be excused from defiling himself. Write down the word resolve in your notes and circle it. Resolve means to make a spiritual vow, a commitment in your heart out of allegiance to God. And you know what? God asks us many times throughout the scripture to make a commitment to him. Choose this day who you will serve. What is he saying? Make a commitment today to me. And he often makes us and encourages us to take a stand. So, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Get it? He said, you're not going to control me by what goes in my mouth. You're not going to control me with food. You're not going to manipulate me in that way. So that's the resolve. Now watch the replacement. In verse 12, Daniel offers his captors an alternative. And he says, Daniel 12, 1, 12, please try an experiment on your servants. For 10 days, have them give us only vegetables to eat and water to drink. In other words, Daniel is like, okay, king, I see what you're trying to do to me. You're trying to dull my appetite for God and get me to conform to your dark and decadent culture, and I'm not having it. So, I come against the king's carrot cake and his organic carrots and the king of Dunkin' Donuts. I come against all that stuff that's looking to manipulate me and I'm going to serve the living God. I'm only eating vegetables, fruits, and water. So he gave up meat, sweets, bread, wine, Coke, Snapple, Doritos, Captain Crunch. And he goes on a hunger strike against the enemy. He's going to fast and do it his way, God's way. He's going to limit himself. The temptation is great. 
He's going to limit himself and fast unto God. Because he's in a pickle. <laughs> he is in a bad way. He's taken captive. Jerusalem is sacked. The temple is in ruins. And here I am, a kid, in a powerful king's court. And I don't know what to do. The only thing I can do is to get a hold of God. And I want to tell you in your life, in my life, in reality, the only thing that we can really do that really helps is get a hold of God. You know, the Bible says that the help of man is worthless. Not because men don't want to be helpful, but men can't really help what only God could intervene and correct. And so if we want to see great things, if we want to see breakthroughs, we might have to resolve to do what Daniel did here in chapter 1. He said, I'm only eating vegetables, fruits, and water, all natural, all clean, and kosher. And at the end of it, something miraculous is going to happen. So underline verse 15. Here it is. At the end of the 10 days, they looked better, better, and more robust than all the boys who were eating the king's food. They were better, stronger, healthier, more robust. In other words, when one of God's children found himself in a corrupt culture, in a pickle, in a bind, tempted by all the riches and wealth to compromise his commitment to God, Daniel fasted as an act of allegiance to the Lord our God. He said, I'm going to fast my way out of this dilemma. I'm going to fast my way into victory. And here's the kicker. What do you say to this? And God honored Daniel. He was healthier, stronger, better nourished. Catch this. God released supernatural gifts to Daniel and his friends who all fasted together. Look what it says in verse 17. To these four boys, God had given knowledge and skill in every aspect of learning and wisdom. Moreover, Daniel could understand all kinds of visions and dreams on the back end of fasting. And guess what? He doesn't even know how handy that was going to come in, that that vision that he gets in the book of Daniel okay, is going to be liberating for the children of Israel. In other words, Daniel denied his flesh for a season and heaven opened. God released spiritual gifts into his life. He became a powerful leader in Babylon. And as you'll see next week, nine chapters later, God chose Daniel to deliver that vision that changed the history of God's people forever. Talk about a breakthrough. I mean, this is a breakthrough, a momentous, right? This is incredible. This is unbelievable. I mean, Daniel is not, he's a boy. You know what he is? He's a boy that said, what could I do to get out of this bind? And what came to him was to fast and pray. What he said is, I'm pushing away from the table, king. You can keep your unkosher party food. 
because I'm going to honor God with my body and my soul by fasting. He sought God's strength in a crisis situation. Daniel hungered for God, and the Lord saw his sacrifice, and that's the key, and rewarded him. There is power in fasting, and I know many of you guys need a breakthrough. We need a breakthrough. You know what? There's thousands and millions of people that we walk by every day that need a breakthrough. And guess what? They're not going to be fasting anytime soon. Most of them don't, know, don't even know God. They don't even know how to get out of their own dilemma. They're trying what the world is selling and it ain't working. So if we're not going to help them, who will? So that's why we're, con we're considering and we're asking you to consider joining us in this. You see, your body isn't a garbage can. Your body was created by God and for God. It's a temple of the Ruach HaKodesh. And something happens when we push away from food for a season to cleanse the temple and seek the face of God. Whenever God sees an empty, clean vessel, he perks up and says, what can I do for you? It happens so many times in the Bible, it's not even worth debating. It is, like I said, millions of people over thousands of years use fasting to get a hold of God. Let's talk about the heart of fasting. This fast that we see here in chapter 1 is a partial fast. This is the one I want to challenge you to consider. Okay? The question is, if you pushed away from the king's table, so to speak, for 40 days and made a spiritual vow like Daniel, stating, God, my body is a living sacrifice to you. I need your strength, not Starbucks. I need your power, not a power bar. In my life, my family, my marriage, God, I need wisdom so I can know your will and follow you with my whole heart. God, I need a breakthrough. Do you think God would answer the cry of your heart? Absolutely. Absolutely. See, what's important wasn't only Daniel's diet. It was his heart. And that's why there's, there's a, a way for everyone to participate in this. It's his heart. It's the heart behind the fast. Daniel trusted God. He had an appetite. Look at me, everyone. He had an appetite for the Holy Spirit. And you know what? When we are so used to eating all the time, it, there is a connection. We said that earlier. It dulls our appetite for God. And if you find your, your appetite for God dulled, there is no better cure for it than a fast. It's sensitized. It gets you right back in the groove with God. And it gets that spiritual, spidey senses, so to speak, those spiritual senses tingling. And that reconnection happening. So when we talk about a Daniel fast, understand we're not simply trying to duplicate Daniel's diet, but the heart behind it, because we don't really know what he ate specifically, right? But the heart behind it is what we're trying to duplicate, the spirit in which he fasted and sought the Lord. So here's the deal. You don't have to be a spiritual giant to do a Daniel fast. Fasting is a spiritual discipline for ordinary, regular people like you and me who simply want a deeper connection 
with God, a fresh touch of his ruach, a breakthrough. Listen, some of you guys have been knocking on that door for years. Hey, God, how come you're not answering? But sometimes we need to put the fork down, do a little fasting, skip a meal, change, up the th change things up and go after God and see what he'll do. And I want to tell you, all throughout the Bible, there's testimony of God doing powerful, miraculous, earth-shaking things as God's people fast and pray. So, maybe, you, maybe you've never fasted before in your life. I don't know if that's true. I mean, is there anyone who's never fasted? You're waving me. That's fine. That's fine. Um, uh, most of us here have fasted at least for Yom Kippur. So we, we kind of know what that's like. And it's fun if you've never fasted, and that's why we chose this fast, because it's an easy one to do. So if you've never fasted before, the Daniel fast is great because it's a replacement fast. It's not an absolute fast. You're not going without food and drink. You're just replacing them for a season of time. So on page six of the guide, you'll see a list of foods to eat and avoid. And it's very nutritious, it's full of variety. Instead of eating meats, breads, and sweets, you replace it with veggies, fruits, and whole grains and nuts. Instead of drinking soda and smoothies or coffee, you drink water. The idea here is that you're sacrificing something physical, something you enjoy or even crave in order to draw spiritual strength from God. And guys, listen, look at me. This is, the, this is I'm going to get it, I know we're Western believers, a sacrifice. They can't get around the sacrifice. There is a sacrifice on some level. And let me say this, I'm going to offer you such basic things that everyone can participate, but if, if you decided I'm going to refrain from listening to a one-minute podcast, because that's I think that's all I can handle. As soon as you say, I'm going to refrain from it, I want to tell you that you're going to be tempted with that one-minute podcast. No matter what you pick as a sacrifice, the enemy is going to tempt you, and you're going to have all of a sudden this desire that you have to do it. And that's why it's a sacrifice. So we are going to commit to the Lord something that we take pleasure in. So, I want to say this, that you're not going to be in God's doghouse if you, don't, if you eat a Dorito or have something that's not on. You're not in God's doghouse. Don't, don't, don't be intimidated. We're not going to be legalistic about this. Okay? Matter of fact, we're going to have our own eggs as usual. We're going to have an own egg. And we're going to have stuff for the folks who maybe are keeping to the fast and have bagels. If you decide that that's not what you're going to give up, it's going to be there for you. And cream cheese and whatever. It's going to be regular. So it's not legalistic. Okay? It's to help you give up something and sacrifice to God for a breakthrough. We're not fasting because we have to. We're fasting because we want to. So who's with me with the Daniel fast? 
some level, you know the right answer is to get your hand up. You know, <laughs> that's the right answer. Because when I'm done with it, right now you're intimidated. What's he asking of me? By the time I'm done, you're going to say, oh, I could do that. So who's with me on a Daniel fast? Trust the rabbi. I know that's a famous word, and I'm not a used car salesman. So trust the rabbi. You can do it. Let me be clear. You have options. There are three fasting options that I want you to choose from. But before I do that, let me back up a little bit. I need the ushers again to distribute um, our fasting covenant or contract. It's up here. Yeah. And we're doing this to help keep you accountable. No, it's not legally. It's not binding. It's to make an accountability for you to say, I'm going to do this. And what we, we're going to ask you to do is to pray about it with you and your family for a week. And, that, and by next week, you're going to say, I'm going to give up whatever. Maybe you, we'll, we'll get into the options. But hang on to this as it goes around. <clears throat> so here are the options. One is a full 40-day Daniel fast. If you decide to do the full fast, this week you'll start weaning yourself off of coffee, start eating smaller meals to signal to your stomach things are about to change for next Saturday. Don't pig out or anything like that, you know, but just gradually get ready for a 40-day fast. And that's going to be fruits, veggies, and water. That would be a Daniel fast. And there's a lot of variety in it if that's what you choose to do. But others, you might consider a modified fast. For instance, if you're a construction worker and your job is physical and you exert a lot of energy, that might make a full fast impossible. Maybe, maybe you could fast on Saturdays only. That's great. Maybe you could fast one meal a day every day, and that's the best you could do. Beautiful. Maybe you could fast lunch every day, and instead of eating lunch, you're going to take that 20 minutes and pray for those breakthroughs that you need, for the Jewish people to come to faith. Maybe you could just give up liquids. Maybe you're a soda drinker, and you're going to give up soda, and that's a sacrifice to you. Well, you give it up, and boom, you take that time, because you, you know what? <laughs> Whatever time that you would spend on purchasing it and drinking it, and you spend it praying to God. Maybe you could do a Daniel fast, but you need to add an occasional protein for one meal a day. That's fine. You have a salad and a steak for dinner, but the rest of the times you're doing fruits and vegetables and water. Great. Whatever works for you. So we want to make this where it's a sacrifice, but it's doable. Feel free to modify your fast that makes sense and works for you and your family. If you have a medical condition, if you're a diabetic, guess what? You shouldn't fast. Or if you're pregnant or recovering from an eating disorder, guess what? It would be unwise for you to mess with your diet. A woman who has digestive issues or a man who is on blood thinners shouldn't fast. If that's you, let me encourage you with a third option. Here's a third option. A non-food fast. So where you decide to give something up for 40 days, such as social media, and you give up that hour plus a day, I hate to say it, 
that you spend scrolling through your social media and you seek God. Wouldn't that be powerful? Or you give up your favorite TV show. And for however long it's on, you take that time and seek God for breakthrough. Or a hobby that you participate in. You give it up to seek God. Maybe TV and Netflix, right, go on a screen fast. Repurpose the time spent watching TV or playing video games by reading the Bible, prayer, and asking God to help you get out of the bind that you're in. Some of us have folks in our lives that are in real serious trouble, that need a great breakthrough. And you know what? There's no one volunteering. Oh, I'll help you out by prayer. I'll fast for you. So sometimes it's something we have to do ourselves. And so I'm asking you to sacrifice something. As a congregation, we're going to focus on Bible reading, prayer, journaling, write down what God says for 40 days. So if you say, well, I'm fasting lunch. Maybe you say, I'm going to fast lunch every Wednesday only. Fine, beautiful. But you're going to take that half hour every Wednesday and you're going to seek God's face and you're going to have a little notebook and say, God, speak to me. And God's going to speak to your heart. Now, of course, I would recommend that there's some of you in here that could do the full-blown fast. And don't not do it because, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to start off, the flesh is really strong when you start. I mean, listen, we know it from Yom Kippur. When we say we're going to fast for Yom Kippur, you think we were asking you to force fast for, for 50 days. Right? People are like, oh, my God. Listen, you, or maybe you want to fast 23-1. You know what that kind of fast is? Where you fast 23 hours a day, and then you have one meal a day. You have one, 23 hours of fasting, one hour of eating. That might be something some of you want to do. Whatever. Whatever you feel the Lord lay on your heart. But something, guys, needs to be a sacrifice. Because God wants to give a breakthrough. So. There's a blank journal space on page 9 of the guide. And so use this section to write a prayer. To the Lord and let him know how you will participate. You're not going to do it today because you're going to spend this week and see how God would have you participate. But we want you to write a prayer to the Lord to let him know how you will participate. Because remember, Yeshua is interested in your heart more than your diet. And fill out that prayer this week. Because I wonder what is going to happen 40 days from now. What might God do in your life? in your family, at your jobs, in your congregation. If we humbled ourselves and sought his face, if our whole entire congregation fasted and prayed for breakthrough for the next 40 days, that everyone on some level was sacrificing something, some more than others, but that's okay, but everyone sacrificing something going after God.
What, a, what blessings is God waiting to release? What bondages will be broken? What bodies will be healed? Personally, I'm praying that God, so listen, I know what's going on in a lot of your lives. I know that you have family situations, personal situations, financial situations, health situations. And guess what? I'm personally believing that God's going to give you a breakthrough that's going to blow your mind. That God is going to show himself strong in your life, in your family, in those areas that you haven't been able to get a breakthrough, that God's going to give you a breakthrough. I don't care what it is you're believing for. In 40 days, you can be clean and empowered by God's Spirit. We're asking you to fast about it. When human strength is not enough, you need heaven's power. And, so, and that's why, typically, biblically speaking, the men and women of God who've used the tool of prayer and fasting have gone to it. Because they've been in situations that whatever they're doing ain't working. And they needed something else. They needed some way to show heaven and, and get heaven's help to descend upon their, their situation. And I know we all have some type of situation in this place. And so I'm encouraging you. What I laid out for you today, there's not one of us who can't participate on some level. Take the week, pray about it, and see what God would have you do. Listen, who are you doing it for? You're not doing it for me. I'll tell you that right now. You're doing it for you. For your situation, for your health, for your family, for the area where you need breakthrough. I'm going to be praying. I'm using my ticket for you. So I'm praying, not for me. I'm going to spend my time of prayer and fasting, not for me, for you. So the least you can do is pray for you, <laughs> okay? So I'm going to pray for you, so you pray for you. Because some of us need a miracle from God. And fasting is a way to see it happen. So here's the key question you need to answer. Is what is a meaningful sacrifice to you? That's it. That's what we're asking. What is the spirit, the Ruach, calling you to sacrifice so you can grow closer to Messiah this year? Or what will be different 40 days from now? Because you resolved in your heart, like that, you resolved. That no, no, I'm going to give this up because my people need a breakthrough. You made a spiritual vow like Daniel did to make your body a living sacrifice. That's what we're doing. So if you're in, I want you to complete that contract or covenant and bring it back next, next Saturday. And we're going to consecrate a fast that everything you wrote down on that contract, the thing you're believing for, is going to happen. That God's going to help you. I know this, and I've known God a few years that when you invest time into God seeking his face, it never returns void. It never comes back empty. God is always, always, always faithful. So, 
Next Saturday, February 29th, we'll start a 40-day journey together. Sound good? Let's pray together and dedicate the next 40 days, or 40 days plus 47, it starts next week, and we'll dedicate the 40 days starting next Saturday to Messiah, growing closer to him, and to breakthrough. Amen? So, this is what I, this is your job for this week. Ding, 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 ding. Listen, what would God say? What would God call you to give up? It's going to be something meaningful, but it's, be, it's going to be something you could do. And you're going to spend that time in prayer and seeking God's face. Let me pray. Yeshua, I'm excited about what you're doing in our congregation, Beit Emmanuel. And I ask right now, God, for your people, that you would increase our appetite. Less of us and more of you, Lord Yeshua. As we empty ourselves, would you fill us with your ruach? Would you help us, God, in our weakness? Abba, would you grant us breakthrough in those areas that have been stubborn and unmovable? God, I pray even for the desire to fast, because I know, God, in this room, there's many people who don't even desire to fast. Even the very word, God, there's a wall that comes up. God, I pray that you would give us the power to will and to do your good pleasure. God, not for your sake, not for, our, for someone else, but God, that we would see those things happen, that we desire, God, that our hearts would be circumcised afresh. And God, if nothing else, that we would know you more. God, that we would be resensitized to your ruach. That our hearts would be full to overflowing with your love and grace. Father, breathe new life into our souls and let us see revival amongst our people this year. In Yeshua's name, amen. That was a lot to drop on you. <laughs> but I know God will do wonderful things. Don't dismiss the message. So many messages, you know, yeah, 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 it's a great message, Rabbi. Boop. This is one of those things that I want to linger with you. Why? Because I want you to get the breakthrough you need. That's it. I want you to get the breakthrough you need for your life. And I am going to fast and pray for you and for you and for you, and for you. So if we could do this together, imagine what collectively we could do and the breakthroughs and testimonies that we'll hear just by a simple sacrifice. Let's stand. Avinu Malkeinu, our Father and our King, we thank you, God, for what you're about to do. God, we thank you that you have given us the tools in your word Father, that are not, Lord, earthly tools, they're not the weapons of this world, but, Lord, they're mighty in God for the destruction of strongholds. Lord, they pull down strongholds of darkness. Lord, you tell us in your word that they are spiritual weapons, that you've given to us a spiritual people. So, Father, I pray that you would empower each person here, God, with, Lord, an extra measure of grace. Lord, that they would go into a fast, Lord God, by your design, specifically for them, you would show them 
how they need to fast for these 40 days. God, we've laid out an outline, but God, you would speak to them personally. Father, for the areas, for the people, for the loved ones that they need breakthrough for, God would happen as they resolve, God, to say no to their flesh and say yes to you. Father, we pray for our Jewish brethren, God, all across Long Island, Lord, that are in darkness. Abba, we pray, God, that through the end of this fast, God, that they would come to the saving knowledge of Yeshua. God, that you would put them in our paths, God, that we would speak words that have anointed life upon them, God, that would cut to their heart and they would say, what must we do to be saved? Father, we ask you for that in the name of Yeshua. Father, help us anoint Lord, this 40 days that we enter into next Saturday to be a time, Lord, of powerful, powerful breakthrough. And we ask it in Yeshua's name. Amen. I'm going to bless you before we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Father, we thank you in the name of Yeshua. Our Messiah, the Son of God, our righteousness, bless your people as they go. Empower them, God, to do your will. And we ask it in Yeshua's name. Amen. God bless you. Shabbat shalom. Hallelujah.